strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here this morning. I want to take a little break and do something a little bit more fun and give you an opportunity to help out a great cause. Joining me in studio is Angela Harrell. She is the CEO of the 100 Club of Arizona. Thanks for being here. Hi, good morning. It's Thanks always, for having it's me. It's good to see you. We talk on the phone normally, but it's good to see you. It's way better in person. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Let's talk about a couple of different things because, first of all, um, will you kind of go over a little bit? Because you're known for, unfortunately, for the in-service death benefits that first responders get. But that is part of what you do, but you do so much more. Can you give us a little recap? Absolutely. So the 100 Club of Arizona is a nonprofit that covers every corner of the state. So we support every agency. So whether you're a police officer or a firefighter in the state of Arizona, we're there to help you in the event of a line of duty death. We would obviously support your family. But beyond that, we help support those that are injured every day, those that have major life-altering situations. And we also want to make sure that we're giving you all the resources necessary to help with mental health and wellness. One of the things that I thought was unique that showed kind of highlighted how comprehensive you guys are is when you and I talked about the simplicity of the washdown kits for firefighters, mm-hmm. that the carcinogens that firefighters face and the high level of cancer was easily knocked down with these washdown kits at the scene of fires. And you help provide a lot of those. Yeah. What's exciting is we can we're trying to do things that are way more proactive rather than just that reactive piece. So if we can get out in front of some of these concerns that affect firefighters or police officers we want to so a a simple task as simple as washing down scrubbing down your gear and this and that and having the appropriate materials to do so right after a fire is going to dramatically reduce the carcinogen exposures that lead to occupational cancer so we want to get in front of that it's a low cost for us but it has a huge impact to these departments we just need to get the word out there and make sure that we have the community support to get these buckets in place and then before we get into how other people can get involved the mental health side of what you guys do when you added that element and you and I were talking about it you were so excited first of all what is it and how is it how is it going it's going really really well we've had tremendous support but we also have a tremendous need to make sure that we can support all those individuals that have the desire to get better I tell people a lot of the time if you are an individual and you're calling 911 and your community member you call 911 and you need help you expect that officer or fire firefighter to show up on their A game. You don't expect them to show up and say, geez, my back really hurts and I'm not really feeling it today or at a fight with my spouse or something. Or they're just carrying those unfortunate traumas that they see on a daily basis. So when you call 911, we want them to be on their A game. And in an effort to do so, we provide them counseling resources, whatever they might need, any kind of therapy, access to uh, mental health support that they possibly need. We want to make sure they have that. So we give that to them through uh, apps called Bulletproof and Fireproof. And one of the things that I don't think people, I I think they know, but they don't think about is that when you call 911, it is a traumatic experience for you. And if it's a police situation, you're generally referred to victim services for any counseling you might need. Those firefighters and those police officers respond to those things every single day, all day, and it's got to pile up for them. It does. You know, that is, imagine you're telling, you're retelling that story about you having to call 911. And guess what? 
now you have an officer or a firefighter that is part of your story. Mm-hmm. So they go home being part of many people's stories and they carry that burden and they can't share a lot of those details with their family and friends. So they need outlets to be able to empty the cup, so to speak. So let's talk about <laughs> ways people can help because in addition to the license plate, which is going well, I assume, because I see the license plate oh, everywhere. I love the license plate. It's a cool and looking plate. It's a super cool plate. It's that distressed black and white flag with a red line and the blue line through the middle of it. And it says supporting public safety. So not only is it a great way to support our organization, the 100 Club, however, it's a wonderful thing to put on your car to show that you're in support of public safety and say thank you to them as well. So in addition to that, now the the way the tax credit works in Arizona is now an availability to help your organization. Can you tell us how? Oh, it's incredible. Are you kidding? So if you haven't filed your taxes yet this year and you haven't had an opportunity to do the tax credit through your um, tax preparer or independently, you can still do so. You can actually make a donation uh, for an individual. It's $400. And for a couple, it's $800. And that's a dollar for dollar tax credit. So it's actually reducing your tax liability to the state of Arizona. So if you haven't done it yet for, let me see, for your new filing coming up the middle of April, you can make a donation now that gives you credit for 22. But you can also, if you've already filed, you can make another donation every year. And that goes specifically to public safety, to our organization, the 100 Club. So let's talk about an event because there is an event coming up that I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I get to be a part of it. March 26th. It's a Sunday. Yes. Three Sunday o'clock. Afternoon. Mesa Art Center. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I do have to question you on one thing. Uh-oh. Um, no, I can't sing. <laughs> well, it's, it's the Orpheus Male Chorus of Phoenix. Yes. How did you in the world did my name come up with culture? I'm going I'm going to be at the Cave Creek Rodeo next Thursday. How did I get associated with such a I mean it sounds it looks like a fantastic event, but it's not exactly what you picture. Well, did you know there's going to be a little tap dancing thing that really? you're going to have to do? I'm going to clog? Mid-show. Do I get to clog? You're clog. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this group of men, almost 100 of them, um, they've been around in Arizona for a very long time. They're going to do this incredible concert. And thank you for being part of that. I'm, I am MC. really looking forward to it. It's I am, all joking amazing. aside. And, yeah. and all the proceeds are going to you guys. Yes. So all of the ticket sale proceeds come back to the 100 Club to support our programs that we offer for public safety. Do you still find people that are not familiar with what you do? Does that happen very often or are you pretty much, have you saturated kind of the people at least know who you are? You know, I think our name is somewhat familiar to people and that's a beautiful thing. But what our challenge is, is to get the word out there that we do more than support only line of duty death. And we're glad to be known for that and we want to continue to do that because we support these families forever. It's not a one-time support. This is an ongoing support, whether it's to the spouses or to the children or family members, extended family members. However, a lot of people don't know the impact that we make every day. As we mentioned, you know, those the mental health traumas that exist, supporting them if they're injured in a physical capacity as well in the line of duty. So there's a lot that we do. Um, and I bring this up and I, I, every time we talk, because the story to me is still remarkable, that you were someone that was a beneficiary because you lost your husband. That's a fact. And you went from being a recipient Mm -hmm. to being a volunteer Mm -hmm. and eventually ascending to where you are in the organization. It shows your love for this organization. I'm very passionate about it. I've said over and over again, and I still say it, and that's a good thing. It is the honor of my life to be able to do what I do every day. How many 
um, rough numbers. I mean, how what percentage of the people in your organization are survivors? So uh, we have a lot of individuals that are involved, whether it's a volunteer capacity or actually on our team. But we do have a significant amount of ties to public safety. So we have uh, a mother in our office. She's wonderful. Her name is Suzanne, and she's the mother of one of our Granite Mountain Hotshot um, mm. firefighters that was killed almost 10 years ago. To This year's the 10-year anniversary of that, which is shocking. Um, we also have those that are married to public safety as well in our office. So different capacities, whether you're a spouse or a parent, uh, we have volunteers that are children of. So, And in all aspects of what you do, whether unfortunately it's injury or death or it's in any other aspect, having that kind of familiar life with public safety has got to be an asset when they're in the community and they're talking to people that are in need for this. Well, two different levels. So I, I came to the job as having a decade worth of law enforcement experience. So that brought some, you know, some credibility there. But to also come in as a family member, mm-hmm. as a spouse of a surviving, you know, surviving spouse of the line of duty death of my late husband with DPS, it definitely gives good perspective and it helps me be vetted by the community, I think, as well. All right. So if people want to learn more how they can help, how can they find you online? 100club.org. Please. Yeah. We'd love to have your support. It is a great organization. And thanks for coming down. Always. It, anything for you. It is a great organization. And if you want to you want to give to an organization that does great work, this is definitely one of them. Uh, so uh, I want you to be able to do that. Coming up here in just a moment, uh, we're going to talk about the Border Patrol. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, we're going to talk about the border, but in a whole different way. Uh, Homeland Security, uh, there was a, an investigation. There's been hearings that have been going on, and the chief of the Border Patrol was testifying. And I want you to hear a little bit of this. Um, the the uh, was asked uh, the head of Border Patrol was asked a very serious question: Do we have operational control of the border? And here's the answer: Chief Ortiz, does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No. Sir. Okay. Thank you for that. I'd like to share it with the American people. This is the actual definition of operational control that is written into the code well before I came to Congress, the definition, and I appreciate the honesty of Chief, Chief Ortiz. Do you think that uh, let, let's play a video clip here? I just want to share this question. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational control of the borders. Yes, we do. And That voice you heard at the end was uh, Secretary Mayorkas testifying that he believed we have operational control of the border. The head of the Border Patrol, uh, Chief Ortiz, says we do not. So the question now turns to was Mayorkas lying? And listen to how this conversation went. About 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards uh, mission advantage. So, you you know, I, I, I'm asking a very specific question. Yes, and I, I, you're, you're kind of describing how, how, how the goalpost has been moved because of the mass waves of people that are coming. My question, you heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition they, of 
based upon the control. definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Myrick's line? I don't. I didn't see Are the you, rest of the testimony there, sir. He so was at. I, you, you saw. He one, was asked if we had question. operational control, and he said yes. I, I think it's either it's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. So, again, you're putting the guy in the position of saying his boss is a liar, a very difficult position to be put in. But the point has been made, and I think most people believe this intellectually. By the way, the border up north, New York, Vermont, some of the other border states on the northern border, whether it's, you know, I think that isn't it um, – doesn't uh, New York have a share a border with Quebec and with Ontario? I think it shares a border with the two. But in that part of the country, they have seen now a 10 – fold rise in border crossings. There are now reports that there are people that are amassing themselves to move north and uh, that we are expecting or could be expecting possibly another surge, U.S.-bound migrants surge at the Darien Jungle Crossing in Panama. So there seems to be another group that is planning on making their way north. What happens when Title 42 expires? The reason why I replay this, it isn't – the politics of this, of course, is was Mayorkas lying? OK, that's a political statement. I get that. Both sides of the aisle do it. It is to you know put an exclamation point at the end of your statement. But in reality, what this all means to me, where it gets me, is the American people understand. I, and we're not – the American people are not dumb. It has nothing to do with political ideology. And we – We've got to do something about border security. We talked earlier. We're going to talk more. States like Texas and Arizona have laws that are making their way through the legislature that would make it a poison. And you would go to prison for murder if somebody died because you gave them or sold them fentanyl. That you would no longer be considered a drug dealer, that you are now poisoning people. This is how serious this problem is getting. So the border security problem here is an immigration issue with the number of people that are coming across the border. That's immigration. We are talking now, especially here with the head of Border Patrol, with Chief Ortiz, with the people that are are testifying, that we do not have control of our own border. I don't understand. I really don't understand how this is at all in any way, shape, manner or form a political issue. This should not be a Republican Democrat issue. Um, and again, I, I will be. I'm. I'm fair. When when people on the left deflect by saying no presidents controlled the border, you're right. Go back to Reagan. Reagan had a deal with the Congress. It never happened. George W. Bush. I'm going over Republicans now. George W. Bush looks back on his administration and said one of his biggest regrets is not getting comprehensive immigration reform done. But it all begins and ends with border security. And I. Do I'll be honest. This is one of those areas I really don't understand. Sometimes I think I have a good feeling for why something isn't getting done. I don't for the life of me understand why this isn't getting done, that this is not one of the key issues because – and this may sound like an oxymoron to you, but it's because I am such an advocate for legal immigration. This is affecting the immigration piece of this. Americans in larger numbers now than ever before are against more immigration. It has nothing to do with us not loving immigrants. We all love the story of the American dream and people that come here and become the American dream. That in one generation turn their families' lives around and give their children and grandchildren opportunities they never thought possible. We embrace and celebrate that. Well, if that's still in the American spirit, and it largely is, why the changing attitude toward immigration? And I will tell you, it's because of border security or lack of it.
that if you are like me, that you believe we should have a robust immigration system that allows good people to get out of poverty and to change their lives and give their children a a better education and a better life and watch their grandchildren born into this great country and become contributing members to our society, then we have to have border security. It has to start there. Where are the people taking the politics out of it as much as possible and saying and admitting we're failing and we don't want to fail? Let's succeed. And I hope it happens sooner rather than later. Uh, Coming up in just a moment, how concerned should people be about Social Security? Um, There are a lot of talks going on right now about the solvency of Social Security. We'll talk about the economy as a whole, but if you're getting closer to that age, we're going to talk Social Security in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, appreciate you spending some time on this Friday. Um, there are a couple of headlines. It's interesting, the politics of something like Social Security. This is fascinating to me. Um, Republicans seek to flip the script on Social Security. That's one of the headlines. The other one is the other headline. It says Senator Cassidy who's ta- Cassidy talking to Monica Yellen. Uh, the um, I'm sorry, Janet Yellen. I don't know how I get that mixed up. Janet Yellen um, on Thursday said that she was lying about President Biden wanting to work with Congress on Social Security. Um, there is a politics on a lot of things, and there are, there are events that are, or I should say, um, there are issues that are seen to be one party strong suit or the other. Most people would say, um, and this is not an either or, it's just the, the way it's perceived. National defense, border security, more of a Republican issue. Social security, education, more of a Democrat issue. So Republicans have been saying for a while, we have to do something about the solvency of Social Security. I think it is, uh, I, I believe it to be a fact. You can look it up and, and for yourself that the biggest part of why we are in such debt as a country is because of the expense of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And if we don't do something to fix those, now I didn't say replace, and I'm I'm just a guy on the radio, so it doesn't matter what I think. But for members of Congress, as soon as they start to advance or go near this topic, they're shout, shouted down, leave it alone. They're trying to ruin it. They're trying. There's even running TV commercials. They want to get rid of your Social Security or your Medicare and Medicaid, and that's not the case. But there are people that are looking at the system. There are people that are looking at the system right now and saying it is broken and it is failing. And if we don't do something sooner rather than later, it's going to be bankrupted. So what can we do to fix it? And so why wouldn't we be having those conversations? It's frustrating to most people, but when you live in a soundbite world, if you live in a soundbite world where someone says that you believe, someone says Republicans are trying to take away your Social Security, then that's what people believe. Perception is reality. We're continuing to raise the retirement age. People are living longer. We have less people being born. We have less people paying into the system. How do we fix it? Is there a better way to do things to ensure that in your later years you have the medical care that you need and you have money to live on? That seems like a very simple question to ask. And if this system isn't working in that direction, what can be done? 
again, I know we're going to have our partisan differences. I know that there are going to be places that when the Republicans are in control, they're going to get more of. And when the Democrats are in control, they're going to get more of their issues. There are always going to be those things. But it seems to me that there are certain things that both sides ought to be able to agree on what are the no-brainers. Repairing and making sure that we have Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid for the people that are already in the system so that they are assured that what they had hoped would be there will be there is one thing. But what can we do, and whether it's change the system, give a different option to a younger group of people, what can be done for younger Americans so that let's say the next generation, if you've got grandkids, and that really changed my life, was when I had them, it's just a different look, and I can't explain it any other way than that. Looking at these, when parents are raising kids, they're focused on raising kids. When they have grandchildren, they see the empty vessel. That they're going, that vessel is going to get filled with things. That what fills their mind are that, you know, racism in my mind is taught. It's not something you're born with. What isms are they going to learn? What is it that we want to keep them away from? But what world are we going to turn over to them? You know, I'll be um, 60, 65, 70 years old, hopefully someday, and I'm going to have grandchildren that are just coming into their own, into the working, working world, registering to vote and going in the military, going to college. And if, if and when that happens, what are we doing to make sure that we are not leaving? Leaving them a mess to clean up. And we have to admit, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid is a mess. That doesn't mean that anybody, I'm 55, again, people my age, should be concerned that it's not going to be there for them so that the grandchildren aren't having to pay for it or fix it. It is how do we do both? And I just think that reasonable people need to start having those conversations. And I don't know if people are. Uh, the, a couple of headlines that struck me, we were talking about just on the economic front, a complete left turn from what we were just talking about. Vast majority of Americans oppose corporate diversity quotas, according to a poll. Among respondents, 87% supported a merit-based approach compared to 8% who support a quota system for race and gender and 5% who were unsure or refused to answer. Um, this is an interesting poll because I, uh, I am someone that believes in diversity, but I want it to be diversity based on merit not diversity based on quota that I think that there are people that are capable I talk about women and poli- women in policing a lot because my sister-in-law is a cop and I have a lot of friends that are cops that happen to be women and it's interesting because is it that they don't think they can do the job or and it's changed quite a bit which is a good thing or was it in the past that women didn't believe that they were wanted in those industries whether it's a firefighter or a police officer or in the military and I think a lot of that's changed I wanted my girls and they do believe that if they are capable of the job they should do it but there should not be quotas that everybody and, and if you look at some of the most successful organizations out there they don't have quotas you look on a football field you look on a baseball field any athletic field it has nothing to do with a quota based on race it has everything to do with work ethic and talent period and I will say when it comes to coaching there is a disproportionate number of head coaches that are white that are non-white we need more non-white coaches in football 
I think that needs to happen based on merit because if it starts being the other way around, and that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of coaches out there that are deserve it. There is. That's my point. There are a lot of coaches out there, non-white coaches, even non-male coaches, that deserve an opportunity to coach at the next level, whether it be jumping from high school to college, college to the pros, or in the professional ranks to the coordinator and then to the head coach level. I think that that needs to be done. We've shown that when you bring someone in and you give them an opportunity, they show success. And if we do it that way, it is a natural progression of how things should be. And I hope it happens because I think it makes everybody better. But to say we're going to do it based on a quota, that doesn't do anything for anyone. We want the best and the brightest, and that's what we should get, the best and the brightest. In a moment, um, this one's going to be a little fun, I think. In my mind, definitive proof that the governor of Florida is running for president. Some people say, I already know that. I said, well, I think I found something that proves it. A law in Florida that everyone can get behind. We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. As I mentioned yesterday, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are headed to Chase Field for one night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale next Friday at 10 a.m., but you could win a pair of tickets by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. That is going to be a great show. Um... All joking aside, I said I have proof that Ron DeSantis wants to be president. There's a bill in the the Florida State Legislature, which is already on the books in Arizona. And all of you people driving, even now on the freeways, uh, prepare to shout out a big amen. If if passed, drivers cruising in the left lane on Florida roadways would face up to a $158 fine. Yes, and all drivers said amen. Um, There is a law in Arizona, Title 28-721. Where in Arizona, I'm going to kind of give this over to you. Law stipulates on the roadways of sufficient width. A person shall drive a vehicle on the right half of the roadway, except as follows when overtaking or passing another vehicle, proceeding in the same direction under the rules governing the movement. When the right half of the road is closed to traffic on the roadway, divided into three marked lanes for traffic under the rules applicable on the roadway, on roadway designated and signposted for one-way traffic. In other words, listen, and I usually give this public uh, information, or I would say public service announcement, this PSA, I usually do it much earlier in the day. But if you are driving on the freeway at any time, let's say when you're going home this afternoon, if you're driving home, it's Friday, it's also St. Patrick's Day, and if you remark to yourself in your mind, hmm, it's weird, there's not a lot of traffic on a Friday, because there's not a lot of people in front of you and you're in the left lane, there are about 15 cars behind you that are cursing you in the worst possible way. Get over. The left lane is for passing only. That doesn't mean the diamond lane. That doesn't mean the MOV lane when it's not during the times of service. If you're in the left lane, get out of the way. Uh, And I know that sounds, people get angry when I say that. It's the law. Well, if I'm doing the speed limit, okay, no, 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 that's not what the law says. And what you're doing is impeding traffic. There was a story back, I think Channel 12 did this, um, 
they were in Pinal County and they rode with Sheriff Lamb, I think back in 2020. And he was, this was when this law went into effect. And he was pulling people over that were driving slow in the left lane. He was giving them verbal warnings and letting them know it's against the law because it's a traffic hazard. It, it, it inflor, it causes, um, unsafe passing on the right. That's why the laws are there. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying there are people out there that get furious about this stuff. And this is where road rage happens. Nobody cares how slowly you want to drive. And you shouldn't care how fast somebody else wants to drive. If you're on a mission to slow traffic down, you're thinking in the wrong way. You pick a different hobby. Pick another cause to champion for. If I, if you're going to stay in, I've seen people do it, stay in the left lane. They don't care how many people go around them and honk. I'm doing the speed limit. And if you're going over the speed limit, you're wrong. Well, technically, you're breaking the law, too. But it's infuriating how many people get angry. And it's I, I joke about this, but it's true. I, I'm trying to change my attitude when driving. I just can't stand people that are impolite. Let somebody merge when they need to merge. If somebody puts on a signal to change lanes, don't speed up. Let them change lanes. If you're driving slowly, if you're not in any hurry whatsoever, if you notice the flow of traffic is moving quicker than you are, just move over. There's no need for you to be in the left lane. It's one of the things, Arizona's traffic is amazing. You go to other places. I was just in New York City and I was in a cab during rush hour in midtown Manhattan and it took me 30 minutes to go two miles. 30 minutes to go. I would have walked except it was 31 degrees outside so it was nicer to sit in that cab. But I've been, you know, I grew and and in Florida, the the freeways in, in the major cities like Tampa and Miami, even in the town I came from, traffic is horrible. Um, Um, Here it's not traffic. It's the way people drive. Big trucks hauling trailers, driving in the passing lane, driving in the left lane, and without a care in the world. And you go past them, and you honk the horn, or you look at them, and they look at you. They give you the finger like you've done something wrong. Um, I think it's unsafe. As much as it drives people crazy, it's more maddening than it is unsafe. But it is the law. And Florida's looking to pass this law. A bill that would make it easier for law enforcement to penalize drivers. It was sponsored by a Republican. A House Bill 421 makes it punishable by a fine to remain in the farthest left lane on any road, street, or highway with two or more lanes heading in the same direction with a posted speed limit of at least 65 miles an hour. In other words, a freeway. We're not talking about surface streets. We're talking about the freeway. A driver may not continuously operate a motor vehicle in the furthest, most left-hand lane except when overtaking and passing another vehicle, when preparing to exit the road or street or highway, or when otherwise directed by an official traffic control device. It does not apply to authorized emergency vehicles, maintenance or construction crews, carpool lanes, or the left side exit lanes. So let's get on the same page. And I know I'm going to get emails. I may read some of them on the air. I know I'm going to get emails. I always get messages about this from people that are mad at me because I'm saying, and and, and it's the arrogance makes me laugh. You're driving slower than everyone else, and no one cares how slow you're driving. They just don't want you to do it in the left lane. So you're doing it intentionally in the left lane because you think other drivers are driving too fast, and you're going to make a point and slow them down. And you don't see a problem with that. You think you're helping society. You are making people crazy. 
it is it is maddening to people. We have great freeways. In my opinion, we have great freeways in Arizona. I think we do a great job with traffic here in Arizona for such a major metropolitan area. With the exception of Taylor Swift tonight, they've already said if you're going to Taylor Swift, prepare for bad traffic. But I'm telling you, people that drive for a living, and I did it for a long time. You know, when you're a service person, when your job is to drive from job site to job site or from call to call, and you're on the freeways, it is maddening to see people that absolutely have no consciousness of anybody else around them. And just move over. Just move over one lane. Leave the left lane for passing. And if you hate speeding so much, make it easier for them to get caught because they're going to keep on flying down the freeway. Eventually, they're going to get caught. It's just my public service announcement for the day. Um I'm going to talk about crime in a moment. There is a bill in the Arizona State Legislature. It's being echoed in the legislature in the state of Texas that would um, make it a murder charge for people that deal in fentanyl, not just an overdose, but a murder. We're going to talk more about that coming up.